Happy Turkey Week! Let us take a moment in silence for all the turkeys who gave their life for our pleasure. Okay, moving on. Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose all in one space? It's beautiful. Beautiful. We encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support you've been hoping for. Stop at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.15 and 10.45 on Sundays. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to meet you. In fact, let us know that you're out there. Press like, leave us a comment, or send us a prayer request. We have a few save the dates. The Christmas season is fastly approaching. We want you to be aware of a few important dates. Here we go, December 24th, Christmas Eve. As usual, we will have three services that you can choose from to attend with your family and your friends. We got 1.30, 3, 4.30 a.m. A.m. JK, I meant p.m. Uh, second, January 1st, we will be doing what we do, Sweat Pants Sunday. Only one service that day at 10 a.m. and we will have kids activities and classes as usual. Did you know that in-person church today, we are building and delivering over 200 care boxes to people in need all because of your generosity. That is so awesome. Amazing. It's amazing. Would you continue to get behind us financially as we echo Jesus in Rochester in the surrounding area? The easiest way to give is to head to our website or text any amount to 84321. Do it. Enjoy Echo online service. Jesus, Lord of heaven, is in his Jesus, Lord of heaven,
This is where we want to be. This is where we want to be in your presence. In your presence. Mike, you call. John, you call. Heather, you call. Sarah, you call. Jason, you call. And he answered. This is our story. And this is our moment just to say, God, you called or I called and you answered and now we're here to praise you, to lift your name on high. God, we serve you, we worship you, we thank you because you are the God that saw us and you didn't just see us, you did something about it and you answered us and you brought us peace, you've brought us into joy, you've given us hope, you've shown us your love and Lord, we just simply receive that today. in your presence, Lord. No matter how we came in or how we might leave, no matter how much we have or how much we don't have, we are simply satisfied with your presence. Lord, we lean in now. And in your presence, I believe that there is healing, there's renewal, there's restoration. I also believe it's your still small voice that wants to lead and direct us today. because you don't just rescue us for us, but you rescue us so that we might leave these four walls and be the church in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you shout amen? We are entering a brand new series called Jesus and George. Why does he have to talk about money so much? It is not hard to to lean into scripture and find the references of Jesus about money. Sometimes he's just using Jesus as a, or I'm sorry, using money as an illustration. And other times he's just straight up talking about it. And what was cool about leading up to this, for those that knew that we were going to go into this series, um, I had a number of people coming up and like, man, I can't wait. I'm so excited to hear about that. And I just want to say thank you for those, that, those people that did say that because this is my least favorite topic to talk about. Because I know that this topic touches all of us in a different way. Money is not simple. Can we all agree with that? Finances, it's not a simple topic. It is, this is a complex issue. So when I speak in general terms, I'm not assuming that I am the professional and I know everything, but I do know this. God knows better than I do. Can I hear an amen? I mean, it kind of hurt me how you said it, amen like that, but it's true. But Jesus and George, why does he have to talk about money so much? I have recently been reading, uh, or I've been listening to, it's, Maybe it's a guilty pleasure of sorts. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's memoir. (laughs) I think I have a man crush. (laughs) And uh, uh, and he's intriguing, but um, there is one chapter that really caught my mind, captured my attention, and that was the chapter where he was sharing the story about how he had been going to school in Austin, Texas, to become a lawyer but he had felt compelled to go into film school. 
And the story is wrapped around him finding enough, enough boldness to go tell his dad that he wanted to shift majors and shift schools. Matthew McConaughey's dad is probably maybe like a normal dad, uh, you know, kind of maybe not normal depending on how you grew up. I mean, Matthew McConaughey was absolutely fearful of how his dad would react to this news. Y'all, y'all understand how that could feel? Uh, I've been thinking about my own kids and the day that they come and tell me what they want to do with their life. And honestly, I kind of have a little fear within me to how I might react or how I might respond to what they say. And, and, and I guess in this series, what I'm trying to get to is this, is all of us have been entrusted. We've been given finances as a tool. And guess what? Many of us, when we look at fina- our finances or our current economical situation, there is a lot of fear that is wrapped around it. Y'all get what I'm saying? It's it's hard to know what we're supposed to do. It's hard to know how we're to react or to respond in this current situation, specifically around our finances. uh, But I am particularly thankful that I don't have to figure out how to respond, respond, but Jesus truly wants to teach us how to do so. So enough with Matthew McConaughey. Let's open up our Bibles up to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Yeah, well played, isn't it? Well played. You see what I did there? Scott inspired me in first service to do that. So um, he didn't say it, but I, I picked up on it. The context of this chapter is this, is Jesus is teaching his, his disciples and whoever else is listening. He's teaching them um, through parable and through story. Which that's what I love Jesus about. How many of you know, or how many of you love being around a storyteller? I've got a, good, a couple good storytellers that I know, and you know what? I don't even care if they're being truthful. I just appreciate that they're good storytellers, right? I'm saying, you know, they embellish just also slightly. Well, Jesus, I'm not saying he embellished, but I'm saying he was a good storyteller. And what happens contextually just before the scripture we're about to read, Jesus is teaching about five sensible and five foolish bridesmaids, okay? Five sensible and five foolish bridesmaids. I only want to tell you that because I want that in the back of your mind. I want you to think that really, like, maybe just simply ask the question, like, who am I? Am I sensible when it comes to my finances or am I foolish, okay? And now let's read into the text here. It says uh, uh, in verse 14 of Matthew 25, a man about to leave home for a while, entrusted. Now, if you're gonna highlight anything underneath that paper Bible of yours, if you do that, I love writing all over my Bible uh, because I want to remember that for a very uh, long time. Highlight it, uh, circle it, um, embold it. Right and underneath that, entrusted. A man about to leave for a while entrusted his possessions to his servants. To one he gave five talents, to the other, another he gave two talents, and to, to one chump he only gave talent, uh, one talent, which I included the chump part, okay? For those that were questioning. Um, and then Lassia says this, he gave those talents according to his ability, to each person's Ability. Underline the word ability too in that text, if you don't mind. And then it continues on. It says, then he left. And the one who had received five, five talents immediately went off, invested, underline, and earned another five. Similar, the one given two earned, underline that, another two. But the one who had given one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Underline the word hid or dug. Not referencing the man who's sitting in the second row up here. Um, what I want to do today is I want to make four observations. I want to pose one question and I want to have one big yell about what this parable is saying. Can I, can I do that? Do, do I have permission here to do that? Some of you just get really excited about that one big yell because we all like being yelled at, okay? Are you ready? Uh, The first observation when it comes to this text is this, is one is not like the others. 
Anybody like that game on the back of, of the cereal box? Do you know what I'm saying? The one is not like the others. Find the one that does not match like the others. And in this story, when we break down the characters, there is one that is not like the others. And some of you are like, whoa, 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 I'm not, I don't really see it. Well, let me make it very clear. There's the master, there's one who gave five, and then there's the one he gave one, or gave two, and then the one that's not like the others is the one. I need you to see that today because it's gonna help frame the discussion that we have or, or more like the speak that I'm doing and frame up this idea. There is one character in the story that is not like the other. How about this? The second uh, observation is this. The master trusts his servants. Okay, and some of you are like, okay, well, no, actually I read and I, underli- I underlined entrust. No, the, the master trusted his servants. In this story, what we read and what we see is an exchange of trust. And tr- exchange of trust. Okay, and I want to I want I want to just pose this idea that there is trust all the way around. Except there is one that is not like the others. Now, for those of you that are not really picking up on this trust thing very easy because when you see this story and you hear about five talents and two talents and one talent, that means nothing to you. Let me just elaborate on the worth of each talent. In my version of the Bible that I read daily as I was studying, what I noticed after the five talent, there was a parenthesis that said this, the five talent equates to a hundred years of wages. How many of you know that there's some trust in the house? Now, when I don't know something, I just like to Google it. I went to the Google. When I went to the Google, I said, what is the, what is the normal wage of an individual today? And it said the real wage of individuals today, the average would be this, is $67,000 a year. So I got to thinking, like 100 years wages. Well, what did this guy give? What did this master give the servant, the first with five? He gave him $6.7 million. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of Georges. It's a lot of dinero. It's a lot of bucks. Hunting season started, opener today. Let's just take a moment and pray for all the backsliders trying to murder things in the woods. Oh, I am so weird. $6.7 million. The second person he gave $3.7 million. And the chump that I read about, $1.3 million. No big deal. No big deal, right? No, there is some major trust that's going down in this story. The master, he's leaving town for a while, and he says this, oh, by the way, here's just some chump change. That is a lot of money. And now what I need you to do after knowing that and understanding that there has been trust in exchange, I need you to put yourself into that story. Who are you? Do you feel more like the one that was given five? The one that was given two or the one that was given $1.3 million? I mean, the low man on the totem pole. (laughs) Come on, anybody want to win that Powerball this week? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I, what it is, is put yourself in it. And, and, and I need you to ask this simple question. If, if someone came up to me and they entrusted me with somewhere between $6.7 million and $1.3 million, how would I react? How would I respond? How would I feel? In the last two weeks, I've been meeting with just a, a small group of, of people, and we've, we've, I've been calling them a creative session, and we've been chewing on this, on this parable for the last few weeks. And, and it was interesting. In that group, I, uh, when I realized it was, it's not just a creative session, it's actually kind of a discipleship session, because we're all being super challenged by this parable right now. But there is one individual, when they heard about six, $6.7 million, they're like, oh, yes, give it to me now. I will make it happen. I will invest. I will do whatever I need to do. And then another person was like this, like $1.3 million. Oh, yeah. I I don't know if I'd even want to take it. We're somewhere in between that. Where are you in that story? Uh, Third observation is this. There's no timetable given. There's no timetable given. 
The master's going to leave town. He says, here's what, you know, here's, here's, here's a few Georges, and you just go ahead and do with as you please. And I got to thinking about that. Like, what, what that really got me thinking in that observation is, is, man, like, this could be five days. This could be a month. This could be three months. This could be a half year. This could be a, a, a year. Or it could be 20 years. And when I thought about the 20 years, I realized, like, I'm 20 years into my career. And I got to thinking, like, have I been faithful with what God has given me? Have I been faithful with what the master has given me? And so that, that, that kind of observation gets me thinking about like, hmm, have I been faithful? And what, what that kind of process of mind uh, led me to was this idea of like, what have I made in the last 20 years? What have I earned? What have I been entrusted with? And you know what? I punched those numbers and I was like, oh my word. I'm not very far off from the people who had received the finances. I've made $7 million. I'm kidding, totally, totally joking. That's not me. <laughs> the first hour would have lost their mind if I, if I said that. So thank you for laughing. Thank you for kick, catching the joke. But, but I have. I, I've, I've made around that amount of money on the lower scale. How many of you know that I didn't, go in the, I didn't go into becoming a pastor to make money? You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought about that all week. Like, no, I, made a, I came into the, to be a pastor to make a difference. And it is so true. Because, uh, man, I would love to have made more money. Trust me. Um, enough about me, okay? Uh, I'm getting uncomfortable. Uh, the fourth observation is this is what I've noticed in this story, there are three different methods of handling their wealth. Okay, let me help you understand that. The first one was given five, and he invested, Keyword. Therefore, he earned. The second, we don't really know how he did it, but we do know that he earned. And if you break down the Greek, you see there's two different references. There, there's a man who invests, and then there's one who earns. And then the third one, what did he do? He dug. He dug a hole, and he hid it. And I would tell you this, is the idea of investment, and this is what this group helped me understand as we were thinking about these three ways of handling the finances is this, is investment kind of gives you this idea that there might have been a little bit of a passive income. That there was a little bit more trust that would need to be insinuated. The second with earn, it kind of gives you this idea that, yeah, maybe it was about hard work and it was about, hey, I'm going to work as hard as I can till my master comes back. But then there was the last one. And you know what he did out of, out of fear is he hid his finances. Scott, could you mind helping me here? Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of want to just reshape this illustration or this sermon in the use of uh, of of a few shovels here. If you can just imagine, every single one of us have been given a shovel in life, at least. I mean, I mean, some, we've been given five, and some have given two, and others one, according to their ability and according to this parable. And so I just got to thinking about, like, like the man who received five shovels. I mean, that's a lot of shovels. And, and, and so just before the master came, he, he gave the five shovels, and he said, I'm going to go on a trip. I'll go do something about it. That's a lot of shovels. And yes, I brought the snow shovel to remind us that we're about to enter the to so frozen tundra. Yes, low-hanging fruit type of joke. But I got to thinking about, like, have you ever seen anybody walking around anywhere with five shovels doing anything? No. The thought of the man who had received five shovels, okay? Illustration purposes. You know, I think he understood when he invested. He knew he could only carry, you could only use one shovel. And I think a lot of us in our earnings, in our finances, we see it as an end to ourself. And I think for some of us, we're walking around this world and, and, and honestly, I think it's like we're carrying five shovels. It's just maybe it sounds a little different. Instead of shovels, we, we have five bank accounts. We have a lot of money 
or we, we, we have a lot of resource, or we, we've earned a lot, or we've acquired a lot. And, and, and what I'm afraid is that there are some people in this room, we have been given five, and we have not learned that the, what the, the first man understood, that, that if he was given, if he was entrusted with something from God, that it wasn't just his to keep, it was for him to also invest in others. See, I believe he understood the principles with his finance, uh, finances to not just use the shovel, but to train someone else to use it for him. And I think about the second one who had two shovels. And again, I've never seen anybody effectively use a shovel with two in their hands. I've just never seen it. But I think what that guy understood, and again, for me, reading into this story just a little bit, is this, I can envision him in the field using a shovel, but then he found a friend to come alongside to earn that extra with him. But then there is the man who had the one shovel. And what he was given, he used not to profit, but I believe to hide. See, you can look at it two different ways when it comes to a shovel and what you can accomplish. You can dig up and find opportunity or you can dig a hole and bury opportunity. Did you hear that? And when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our earning, when it comes to our wealth, I'm just a little afraid that there's some of us in the room and, and we just haven't cap, uh, really captured uh, the, the true idea of what God wants us to do with our finances. Therefore, we haven't been digging for opportunities and investing in others and blessing others. What we've been doing is we've been digging a hole underneath our bed and keeping it all to ourselves. I better continue on. Uh, the question, okay, those are my four observations. The, the question, it's kind of a deep thought. So I need you to kind of just en envision here with me. Does the first servant who has five use the same methods as the master? Did you hear that? Does the first servant who has five use the same method of the master? I think he did. I think the man who received five understood the principle or observed the principles and the ideas that what, what, what has been given to him is not his only, but he's called to steward it. And in order to steward our finances, we have to take our hands, uh, we, have to, we have to loosen the grip of what we hold so dearly and begin to understand that, that finances and wealth and, 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 uh, and, and what we have are always meant to be a tool to make a difference in this world. Which brings me to the one big yell. You ready? <laughs> what you have is not yours. We're going to hear something in this parable. And yes, I didn't scream it. I told you I was going to yell at you. And I am. But my volume will not dictate the loudness of the yell internally. What we need to hear today is this, is what you have is not yours. I think many times when we're reading this scripture, we just assume that the master is God. Anybody read into that? I want to suggest to you, I don't think it is. You know who the master is? It's meant to be you. 
And what you have is, is uh, <laughs> you have an opportunity to begin to invest in others and, 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 and just be seen that, that what you have been given is a tool to be able to be a blessing to those uh, around you. Uh, in Deuteronomy 8, in Deuteronomy 8, there's a connection to the word ability that I had you underline in the first verse is of the story. It says that they were given talents according to their ability. Uh, that same word shows up in Deuteronomy 8, 17. And it's the context of the Israelites being released from the Egyptians and now they're learning a new kingdom living style. They're, they're learning a new way to live life. And, and this is the instruction. This is the instruction inspired by the Holy Spirit given from Moses. He says, you will think to yourself, my own power or my own ability and the strength of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And this is what he says to the Israelites in the desert. This is what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and his on, onlookers in, in 2,000 years ago. And this is what he's trying to tell you today. No, you are to remember the Lord your God because he is the one who gives. And so the one big yell is this, is what you have is not yours. And if you don't understand that, then you will not understand finances. You will not be able to manage it. You will not be able to, to manage the internal pressures of what God wants you to do and to use as a tool. I've got to, I've got to close it up here. In, in Matthew 25, verse 19, the end of the story is this. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settles, settled accounts with them. So the man left, the master left, and he came back, and he's like, oh, hey, it's pay up time, buddy. And it says the five came back and said, why well, have earned five? Which, by the way, anybody making 100% or doubling the profit is a genius, okay? And then the second person, he had two, and he goes, oh, guess what? I did the same. No big deal. And, and uh, it does the same thing. And this is how the master replies to both of them. He says, his master replied, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, how many of you want to hear that at the end of your life? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness, which could be translated, come enjoy, uh, enjoy your time with the master. Find joy with me. But then there was the one, <laughs> and he came back. The one who earned none, who hid it out of fear. He says, he says this, I knew you were a hard man and you harvest where you did not plant or gather, where you didn't sow seed. So I was afraid. So I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, take what belongs to you. I mean, I couldn't imagine being that guy. I couldn't imagine the stress of that moment when he's mirrored against the five who earned five and the man who, who earned two and earned another or given two and earned two. And, and this is how the master responded, which by the way is one of the scariest parables and story in scripture. He, this is what the master says, you wicked and lazy servant. You, so you knew did you, that I harvest where I haven't planted? Do you think that's who I am? And then I've gathered what I didn't sow. That's who people, maybe what other people say. Then you should have at least deposited my money with the bankers so that when I returned, I would at least have gotten back interest from my capital. And this is where it gets scary. He says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. And as for this worthless and I'll say this, profitless servant, throw them out in the dark where, where people will wail and grind their teeth. I mean, that's some hard scripture. 
when I looked back and I said, hey, Lord, I mean, like when I was inspired to say, hey, what's the timetable? I looked at the last 20 years of earnings and the 7 million I made, not really, but um, <clears throat> what I did make, man, I'm telling you what, it kind of, it, it challenged me because at, at, at this point in my life, if the master returned, would he tell me, well done and good full or uh, grateful or what it was. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Good and faithful servant. Or would he say something different? See, I believe that your perspective on the Father will determine your experience. And the man who was given one and earned none experienced that. I believe the man who was given five or the servant who was given two had, had a certain perspective. Both those guys had a similar perspective and the last one had a different perspective. And, and let me tell you this, your perspective will determine your experience. And you're gonna experience life and finances and wealth in two different ways. You're gonna see it with joy or you're gonna see it, see it as a jail. Did you hear that? I'm gonna, that's so good, I'm gonna say it again. Your perspective on who God is will determine whether or not you see your finances, your wealth accumulation, your lifestyle as a joy or straight up jail. You're gonna approach your finances with fear or you're just gonna Trust. Trust that what God has given you, you're going to be faithful with, that you're going to be obedient with, you're going to be generous with. So this is what I want you to do. I want to give you some hand. I want to give you a handle to the shovel here. Just two of them today. This is all I want you to do after church. It's homework, okay? We all hate homework, but I'm giving it to you. Go home and just ask this, or answer this one question. What have I earned this year? I don't see y'all texting yourself that. Write that down somewhere. What did I earn this year? And then the second question, the second handle would be this. It's two hands. What did I earn? And the second is this. What did I give? What did I earn? What did I give? You know what this little practice will tell you? Whether you trust God. Because if you don't give, I'm not sure if you trust God. Oof. Like, Andy, you're being a little mean to me today. I don't mean to. But I just believe from the bottom of my heart that there is a life that you, some of you have not lived yet. And that's a life in full trust with God. See, I think some of you have entered a relationship with God with some prenuptials. Ooh. It hurts a little bit. You trust God with only part of your life. And if there's something we don't trust God with, I guarantee it because I can statistically prove it, it is with our finances. And I guess what I'm trying to do is just convince you today to trust God fully. Because, because honestly, like if you're a visitor here today, I always want to be honest, like God doesn't, or like I don't want your money, God wants your heart. So you hear that, okay? God, I don't want your money. God wants your heart. But I want to tell you this. This is what this message is all about. This is what this parable is actually saying. It's this. It's simply said, God trusts you. That's what this story is. God trusts you. Every single one of you, you know what I'm thankful for? You came into this place with clothes. That tells me that God has entrusted you with at least something Thank you for clothing yourself. Appreciate it. 
God trusts you. I mean, some of you came in here and you feel less than. Some of you came in here and you're like, man, I don't know what I could give. Some of you came in here and you've failed in the past. Some of you came in here and you've you've got a repeated narrative of a message that tells you that you'll never be good enough. You'll never have enough. You're less than. And I'm telling you what, forget about all the money talk. I just want to tell you this is God trusts you. (laughs) Come on, somebody. God trusts you. And I don't even care how much time I have or I don't have. I just wanted, I came to church today to tell somebody, God trusts you. And I can't have you leave today not believing that God trusts you. Can I say it a different way? God loves you. God wants you to find joy in that simple fact. God entrusts you. And and, and I guess my question to you is this, is will you trust him back? Okay, some of you, it's a little bit too daunting, the handles I gave you. What did I earn this year? What did I give this year? Let me just make it very simple. What did I earn this two weeks, this last two weeks? Just do that. At least do that. What did I earn two weeks? And then what did I give in two weeks? Now, let me just tell you, the base level of faithfulness and obedience to God financially is called the tithe in Scripture. Okay, I don't have time, but I want to tell you this. Is it came from, it really spurred upon this, this interaction of, of God giving a certain amount of wealth to Abraham. And his response was, God said this, is go ahead and take it all, but just give me 10% back. It's this understanding that God gives it all to you. It's not yours. God is giving it to you on loan. And he says, all I want back is 10%. How many are thankful that God didn't take the 90 and leave us with the 10? I can eat this week. Praise God. The base level of obedience is giving 10% of your income to God. And some are like, man, that's a lot of money. No, it's being faithful to what God has given you. I think the tithe is a perfect physical representation and proof of trust in God for he trusts you first. Oh God, today, we just recognize this is not an easy message. Some of us, we're we're feeling, man, like maybe we haven't lived up to the expectation. We haven't been absolutely faithful with some of the small details when it comes to our finances. Maybe we haven't managed the tool or the shovels that have been given to us, metaphorically speaking. And we just say sorry. My bad. There's a number of people that didn't come into this space even understanding this principle. And God, uh, God, there's grace in that, and I understand that. And we say thank you for your grace. But, but today, God, if I'm going to pray about anything, if I'm going to ask anything, it's, it's, it's this, that not anybody, that not one person leaves without fully understanding and knowing and sensing and feeling, God, in the innermost part of their being that you are God that trusts us. And if you trust us, then it doesn't matter how much ability we have or no ability we have, or a lot of ability or a little ability, God, that you will work with us no matter where we're at. And so, God, today's message isn't just about, about yesterday. It is about tomorrow. And we just, I just ask, God, as a pastor, would you just help us be faithful, be obedient to what you've given us, Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want to do something different. Instead of having you stand up at this point, I want to lean in. I'm going to pray the prayer that we pray every week. But 
this angle. I, I want you to see it like this. There's some areas, and maybe it is you financially. Like, man, I've never really trusted God financially. I've never really been faithful with, with the tithe or even giving beyond that or really investing into the, the kingdom. Uh, I just sense that, that this is just a reminder today that, God, you don't want us to just half trust, but you want us to fully trust. So let me pray this, and then I, I want to put a little bow on top of the message with a quote. Let us surrender together. Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived and you died and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. You know what this, this prayer is? It's a picture of God trusting you, you. It's a picture of how much God has given you. You know how I brought Matthew McConaughey back to the other Matthew? Matthew McConaughey is working on his boldness to go to tell his dad he's going to quit school to be a lawyer, touche, and be going to film school. And he makes that call and says, Dad, I got something to say to you. I got something to tell you. And his dad, well, go ahead, son, go ahead. And Matthew says, Dad, I don't think I want to be a lawyer anymore. And his dad reacted and was like, oh, well, is that really what you want to do? Matthew's like, yeah. He said, Dad, you know what I want to do? I want to go into film school. I want to become an actor. And he was like, paused on the other line and I've got to make this PG because we're at church today. But his dad looked at him and said, well, don't halfway it. For those who are really smart, you picked up on what he actually said. He said, son, don't halfway it. If you're going to do it, then let's do it. Matthew McConaughey writes this about this interaction. He says, all, of all the things my dad could have said, of all the reactions that he could have had, don't halfway. It was the last words that I would have ever expected to hear, and yet the best words he could have ever said to me. With those words, he not only gave me his blessing, he gave me his approval and validation. It's what he said and how he said it. He not only gave me the privilege, he gave me honor, freedom, and responsibility. Thanks, Pop. Green lights. That's what the Heavenly Father does for us. He trusts you. And in your seats, as Dexter begins to sing this song, my hope and prayer is that he would just concrete this message within our soul that God trusts
You know, it was a really powerful message. There's a lot of thought there, but what I think is most interesting is what will stick with me most is a Matthew McConaughey quote from his book. And it's interesting to me, and I think about it because, like, my default, if I'm just super transparent as, a, as an Enneagram 9, is to kind of sort of do things. Like, just kind of one foot in and one foot out and not fully commit and not be kind of an all-in person. I see everything as gray. And I think there's something about being all in. Like if Matthew McConaughey's dad maybe says anything else, maybe the likelihood that he ever becomes known by us or has his book quoted on our stage at our church is really low. But instead in that moment, his dad says, listen, all in. I want to be all in. When I think about that, I want to be somebody who's all in. There's an author that I really like. His name is John Acuff, and he had this quote, and he said, if you're going to risk and maybe fail, fail at something that matters. Fail gloriously so that even in failure, lives change. I want to be somebody like that. Like, I want to be all in like that. You know, Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven and hell put together. Do you want to know why? because money grips our heart more than heaven and hell put together. So what if we become a church that takes both both steps in and just trusts God completely? And let's go a little bit. Jesus, help us to be a church like that. Help us to be the church that is all in, that isn't halfway anything, but it is all in, in trusting you like you've trusted us. Remind us of how great you are and how worthy you are to be served. God, help us to be like you and be like people like that. In Jesus' name, amen. Echo Church, let's celebrate some people today. How about those that came for the very first time today? What's up? Welcome to Echo. We are so glad you're here today. That's amazing. We are glad you're a part. What about those that said the prayer with us for the first time today? Come on, let's give it up for those people. Echo Church, don't walk away discouraged. Walk away being remembering that God trusts you and he loves you. Echo Church, we love you. We hope you have an amazing weekend. We can't wait to see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.